Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, presented by Canon Press. This week's episode is a talk from Nancy Wilson entitled, The Pleasant Home, from the series, The Pleasant Home. Check out the full series now on the Canon app. Well, because we're talking about mothering and being moms, being good moms, we have to start at the beginning. We can't just jump in uh, to the deep end. We got to start where we should, which is that in order to be a good mother, of course, you have to be first a good Christian. And, and then you have to be a good wife. <laughs> because you can't be sort of a mediocre Christian or like a bad wife, a poor wife, and a spectacular mother. Of course, it just doesn't follow. And you may know some women who really are impressive mothers, and they're not even believers. So I know God gives his common grace to everybody. But as Christian women, since we are all uh, Christian women, we have to realize that what comes first. And we have to make sure we're really heeding God's word on all the right things. And so I guess what I would call my talk tonight is a pleasant home. You want your children to grow up in a pleasant home. And if it's not pleasant, if it's an unpleasant place, an unhappy place, it's, it's going to have obviously a big impact on your kids. So what can we do to make it a pleasant place? So I'm going to talk about and I'm going to use a lot of Proverbs tonight because Proverbs has a lot to say about mothers, uh, about women. But I'm going to be focusing on the foolish and the wise. So if we want to have pleasant homes, we want to be wise women. We want to be women who take God's words seriously and are eager to apply it, obviously. And remembering this, Reformation begins in our homes. And it works its way out. And we don't want to forget what we're doing and what the important things are that we're doing. We, want, we don't want to lose sight of the big picture. And, and it, our homes are the place, that's where we're called as wives. And all of you here, I believe everybody is a wife here. You're not all mothers yet, but you're all wives. And um, so your home is your calling, your vocation. And you want to take uh, God's word seriously in realizing that what you do has such a big impact. It starts here and it works its way out. And of course, if it's a big nasty mess here, it works its way out also. And you, you see it and you may have grown up in a home like that even. And you see the impact it had on the kids and on you and on your siblings and, and whatnot. So we want to keep our priorities right in thinking about what it is to be a good, godly mother. All right. The, um, and he won't bother us, so don't you worry about it. Okay? We like him. <laughs> Little squeaky baby. All right. A pleasant home is going to be characterized by wisdom, by a virtuous woman who lives it there. In the heart of the home is a woman. And so if we're virtuous women, we're wise women, it will work its way out. And... Um, so I said, we're going to look at Proverbs, and we're going to compare some of the women, the wise women and the foolish women. The, uh, I think an old pastor, Charles Bridges, I think he was 19th century, but he wrote a commentary on Proverbs that I uh, got some of these quotations from that are uh, wonderful. He says, woman is either man's greatest curse or sweetest blessing either a bond of misery or a sacred union. And this is so true. It's so true. Woman is either going to be man's greatest curse or sweetest blessing. 
And so we all want to be, don't we? We want to be the crown. We want to be a source of sweet blessing to our husbands. So if we're not, that's where I want you to start, is thinking, well, I can't expect to be this sweet, wonderful mother if I'm a stink pot of a wife. And so we've got to make sure that relationship is really uh, going well first. In Proverbs 31, of course, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is above rubies? You know, it's rare. It's rare, and Christian women have the privilege of being virtuous women by the grace of God and realize it's a rare thing. It's a sweet thing. What a blessing to have our sins forgiven. You know, what a privilege to live in fellowship with God. We have no excuse uh, for, for sinning. We have no excuse. And so when we do sin, we need to put things right immediately, take care of things immediately, repent the way we know we are supposed to and not indulge sin. We have all women should enjoy marriage the most. Should we have um, access to all God's blessings, all God's promises. So we have so much privilege and so much to be grateful for. We should walk in that and appreciate it and rejoice in it and not get distracted. It's so easy, isn't it? Get distracted with all the daily duties and so forth and forget what you're doing. Um, you are to be a sweet blessing and a crown for your husband. The foolish woman, okay, I'm going to go through some of these verses. A foolish woman in uh, Proverbs 9.13 is clamorous. She's simple and knoweth nothing. Okay, She makes a lot of noise. She's clamorous. She's talkative, noisy, She's indiscreet. She shares things she shouldn't. And she's ignorant. She doesn't know anything. So she's talking, you know, just empty talk anyway. That's a foolish woman. She knows nothing. I'll get to the wise woman, so don't despair if I do a lot of the negatives here for a minute. <laughs> oh, this is such a good one. 11.22, again, Proverbs. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. So is a fair woman, which is without discretion. Okay, of course, this is a misplaced uh, <laughs> to have a, a gold jewel in a pig's nose. You know, it's just awful. It's misplaced. That's what a foolish woman is, a woman without discretion. Again, a woman who talks too much, too much rather than being respectful to her husband. Let me tell you, children growing up in a home, where mom respects dad, are just secure and happy. And they love it. They love it. But where a woman lacks discretion and speaks without thinking and shoots off the mouth, um, the children see it. The, sh the children don't like it. They don't flourish in that kind of environment. You know, it's, um, it's harmful to them. You know, and if you have gardens, and right now you're probably all spending time in it, you know, the crummy soil. You don't get much produce, and that's what it's like. It's just crummy, hard soil. That That's a home where there's a woman without discretion. Of course, there are many other things that can ruin the household. We're talking about women right now and wives. Um, I've written before about your slip showing, and maybe some of you are familiar with that expression, but it's when you overshare. You're just letting the slip hang out, and everybody sees this like, ah, something going to tell her. You know, that poor woman with their slip hanging out. Um, one time when we were on the East Coast, 
I'm pretty sure that's where it happened. We, a woman walked across the street and her slip just fell completely to the ground. And I remember she just stepped right out of it and kept going and just left it there, which I would have done too. <laughs> but my point is that when we overshare about our husbands or our children or even about ourselves, we overshare. It's like letting your slip hang out and let everybody see your, you know, things that really weren't meant to be seen. Um, so respect a respectful woman doesn't badmouth her kids or complain about her kids. I can remember um, years and years ago hearing a woman, most every time I would ever have any contact with her, she'd be complaining about her kids. And, you know, 20 years later, total destruction. The whole family is just shot apart. But I saw it way back then. It's just like, oh, these kids, ah. You know, just complaining all the time about her kids. And the scripture says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. That's what, that's what that is when you are complaining about your marriage to people, complaining about your kids, griping about your kids. That is like tearing your house down. A wise woman is building it. She's constructive. A foolish woman is destructive. And most of our destructiveness comes right out of our mouth. And, of course, Scripture says it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So if you hear yourself saying something that you don't really want to own, like, oops, where did that come from? It's a good warning signal to ask God, do I have a bad attitude about this person? Do I need to confess some resentment? You know, where did that come from? Maybe it's impatience or whatever the sin is. But if bad things are popping out, it means that's what's in your heart. You can't, you can't rationalize it away. They're connected. The mouth is connected right to your heart. Now, I just want to make a, just a disclaimer here. Of course, of course, if a woman needs counsel and help with troubles, whether it's marriage troubles, children troubles, she ought to get it. Of course she should. But she shouldn't just sit around with the girls and badmouth her husband. That's destructive. Going to get help... Uh, is constructive. So either, um, and I suggest normally, husband, you speak to your husband, do you mind if I ask so-and-so for some advice about this or that or the other? And if he says, that's a good idea, do, then do. But if it's something where perhaps it's, it's a moral issue of such magnitude, you can't, and your husband might say, no, I don't want you to, that's too bad. You go get it anyway. Right? There are times the husband's authority is not absolute. Okay? There are times when a woman must, not just may, but must go to her pastor or elders and say, I need help. And if I'm out of line, tell me. And I'll, you know, if, if I'm making a big deal out of nothing, tell me because uh, I don't want to do that. That's not disrespecting. So that's just a disclaimer. So when I'm jumping up and down about bad mouthing, I'm not talking about actually going and getting help where you have to lay the problems out. Okay, that's productive, that's constructive, that's helpful. And the goal is always to get you on your feet and going. It's like going to the doctor because you need a little help. So not so you'll stay sick and keep seeing him, so you'll get well and be better and not need the treatment or the medicine anymore. Okay, so that's just my little side note that when I'm talking about oversharing and so forth, I'm talking about doing it in the context of uh, where you're not telling someone who's able to help you. You're just 
chatting. You're just lacking discretion. That's when your slip is hanging out. And you have probably heard women say things about their husbands you wish they hadn't said, right? Because then when you see him, you think, oh, he's the one that did that stupid thing. <laughs> he's that toad that forgot her birthday. You know, and, and maybe he did forget your birthday. And then you forgave him and everything went on. But this other person still thinks he's a toad because he, you see what I mean? Because she never, she, that's all she heard. So you want to um, be careful, not lack discretion and think of, being a, you know, a jewel in a swine snout, not attractive. That's what God says. Even if you are a beautiful woman, if you lack discretion, that's what you look like to him. It's really an ugly picture. So we aren't to pretend our husbands don't have any faults. Of course not. It's just if we love and respect our husbands, we don't wave them around to the, to the community. Just like you don't want him, right, sharing yours. You have them too. So it's just this mutual love and consideration and courtesy. All right, I've already mentioned this one, but a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. It's like a bone cancer. Um, but a virtuous woman, a woman who is a blessing, is respectful, is bringing him good day after day, just piling it on. Is this radiant crown on his head? She, she's his glory, and that's what we really want to be. Even though we don't understand it all, we believe it, don't we? That it's a mystery that we're crowns, but we know it's true, and it's a beautiful mystery. And so we want to embrace it and pray, Lord, make me a crown, not a disease, because that goes back to this other that thing I mentioned earlier. This. Um, that marriage is either either man's greatest curse or sweetest blessing. He says, I have another quote from him, Charles Bridges. He says, Many are the miseries of a man's life, but none like that which cometh from one who should be the stay of his life. Domestic calamity, he says, a contentious wife is a domestic calamity. He says there's no lawful escape. He said, at least a foolish son, you can kick him out of the house, but a wife has to be endured. Isn't that tragic? Um, and he bases this on some of these verses like this. Uh, a foolish son is, a, is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. You know that drip, 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 that annoying dropping. It's not a hurricane blowing through the house. It's that nagging dripping, constant dripping. Um, and he says, this is, you know, at least you could kick that foolish son out and hope he learned something. But a wife, you can't kick her out. You have to just endure this misery. So, it's awful. <laughs> we don't want that, obviously. But what is it to be contentious and dripping? And, you know, I think if you're that kind of a wife, that's the kind of mother you are, too. Does, scripture doesn't say that right here. Like, the poor children that just hear this dripping, dripping, mom dripping all day long. Do this, don't do that, pick it up, turn around, sit down, be quiet, you know, wash your hands, do this. just this constant where they can't do anything right and they can't do anything for themselves. It's just this constant dripping or complaining. Why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you? Okay, that's that. Uh, uh, uh. That makes a very unpleasant atmosphere in the home. A critical spirit, 
just always seeing the negative, whether it's your husband or your children. Because if, you have, if you're prone to a critical spirit, and right now you're focused on your husband, as soon as your kids are old enough to criticize, they'll get it too. Or sometimes a mom will have one, just that one. The others are perfect. I adore them. But this one? And you just can get a critical spirit toward one. And you just say, no, uh, Lord, deliver me from that. But a contentious woman, the contentions he's talking about are things like a critical spirit, disputatious, always argumentative, um, picking a fight, not just receiving it, but wanting uh, to ask questions or argue, scolding, <laughs> waving your finger, whether it's at your husband or your children. That's contentious, as well as the complaining. Now, real complaints, there's a way to bring them. We don't have to just suffer silently, but there's a way to do it cheerfully, respectfully, to bring complaints or concerns to God, to our husbands. Uh, and we'll talk about children and you know um, discipline and so forth later. There's a way to do it, though, that is respectful, pleasant, encouraging, and there's a way to do this tearing down. It's like, oh, here she comes now. What have I done? I'm in trouble again. He can tell, right, when he walks in the door by just the atmosphere. Something's not right. <coughs> and I've said before, you know, husband says, is anything the matter? No. <laughs> liar, liar. <laughs> yes, there is something. So don't say nothing. If he says, what's the matter? Don't say nothing if there really is something. And we want to be... Uh, the kind of women who can communicate, who can answer questions, who want to deal with things first and and have things taken care of quickly. I remember when in early, early years of our marriage, there was a time that uh, I think Doug was picking me up for the dentist or something. And he was late. He was late. And I was standing, waiting, waiting, waiting. I was getting, and all of a sudden I thought, this is just sinful because I don't know why he's late. I mean, any number of reasons. Why should I be getting in a big snit about this? That's that's just sinful. <laughs> you know those times when you don't sin that you remember? All the times you did sin and God forgave it, you know, and you press up. But this time I just remember thinking, oh, I have to get this right quick before he gets here because I know he's going to feel bad for being late anyway. And I'll just make it worse if I'm out of fellowship. So I remember just confessing it and thinking, you know, it's a dentist. Who cares? I'm late. And so by the time he got there, of course, it's like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry I'm late, whatever it was. It was like, that's great. It's fine, honey. Don't worry about it. No problem. You know, but I'm so thankful. Like, thank you, Lord, for just nailing me before um, so that my husband didn't have this double whammy, feeling bad for being late, and then an unforgiving wife. So if, if we can just see that coming and just... Once we get our, you know, not only see the temptation coming, but see it for what it is and want to get out. The reason we sin is because we like it. The reason we get a bad attitude is because we like having a bad attitude. There's some nasty fleshly thing that we enjoy, perverse as it is, about being uh, mad or impatient or whatever it is. And so ask God to mortify that in you. Yes, and you mortify it, but pray that you'll see it coming. And head things off and say, why should I create a stink over some little thing? Why don't I just get my heart right now, ahead of time, before he gets here, or before I turn around, or before I go in the room? 
but that there's something we like about being contentious. And it's funny, there's so much repetition in Proverbs. So it's not just like in one isolated, obscure verse about contentious women. It's better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Uh, a pushy woman, a brawling woman, a nagging woman. Um, you know, it would just be better for him to live alone, have a solitary life, than to live with that kind of woman. That's what scripture says. That's what God's word says. And it also says, you know, that two is better than one. And we know that, that marriage is a beautiful thing. And yet God's word says right here, it'd be better for this guy to live on a corner of the house. Or in uh, the same chapter, chapter 21, 10 verses later in verse 19, it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Better to just be out, as Bridges says, where it's raining inside and out, you may as well just go out. <laughs> it's raining inside, miserable in there, the wind's howling away, so why stay? Get away from her. This is not the uh, loving hind, the graceful doe, that's described elsewhere in Proverbs. But some women can turn anything into a battle. And, some, and what happens is those places in our lives that are meant to be the sweetest comfort, like the dinner table or the marriage bed, become battlegrounds. And these places are the ones that are transformed into from a comfort to a bitterness. Like dinner, everybody's silent, or there's this nastiness around the table, or uh, the marriage bed, there become alienation and coldness. and You know, just it ruins everything. Sin just ruins everything. I was, uh, I don't remember when this was. I've read it a few different times. Like in women's magazines, you pick up at the dentist office or something. Like, how to fix your family troubles. Try having dinner together. A couple times a week. Just start maybe twice a week. <laughs> and we laugh because this is the way we, li we live. Every night we sit down around the dinner table. It's wonderful, but that's not the way our culture lives. And they're just starting to think, hey, maybe we could try that. <laughs> I, I read one article where it said, you know, by the phone was a stack of menus and everybody would just pick out their menu, go to their room and their own TV and order their own food. I mean, you know, it's just everybody's working, going in different directions. It's sad. But that's the American culture and we are reformational. So we don't want to just coast like, well, of course we sit at the table. Everybody does that every night. No, but it's that it's sweet, that it's a sweet time around the table. And... There'll be different times in your life where it's more of a challenge to get everybody around the table because of schedules and whatnot. And of course, that's life. But just as a general rule, that's the pattern. That's the, uh, that's the way we live. That's the rhythm. But that we make it a sweet time at the table, not a time for disciplining the kids, not a time for um, arguing, but a time to build up and rejoice together because every time we sit down around the table it's a little picture this foreshadowing of not only what we do Sundays when we take the Lord's Supper together but what we'll be doing in heaven when we sit down at the at the table so we want our little bitty minuscule pictures to be good representations of what is to come especially when there's all those little fat faces around the table should be jolly time 
Now, I'm not saying, and, and I sometime during this little series, I want to hit manners, teaching your kids manners, and I'm not saying we just let them do what they want at the table for the sake of fun. <laughs> One time we left the kids at the table. We had, I think, my brother and sister-in-law visiting, and we were all done. They were still eating, so we just went right around the corner and sat down. We were visiting the living room. And we kept hearing Becca going into peals of laughter. And we kept hearing Nathan making these little clapping noises. So we thought we should really look and see what was going on. And he was taking little bits of mashed potatoes in his hand and going, like that. <laughs> and they were flying all over. And Becca was going into peals of laughter. And they don't, I mean, it had only gone a couple minutes, but there was mashed potatoes all over the walls, the ceiling, every, anyway. But Doug had to come back around the corner because he was laughing and he didn't think he'd be very good at correcting. <laughs> But at any rate, that's another study. But we want the table, we don't want to sacrifice the sweetness for the sake of insisting that everybody be perfectly well-behaved at every point. You know, we want, it, we want to understand that it's a time of fellowship and enjoyment. Okay, here it is again. This is chapter 27, verse 15 and 16. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. See what I mean about the repetition? So we're supposed to, when, it, when the scripture repeats things, that means we should really take note of this. And not just think as we read through it like, oh yeah, glad I'm not one of those. But to really think about it, that we don't want to be the kind of woman that offers no comfort, no peace, but just always has this, an agenda of uh, wanting to um, be disrespectful or unsubmissive, so forth. But this kind of a contentious woman doesn't want to be submissive. Nope. Not going to do it. Uh, doesn't want to be ruled by her husband. She wants to call the shots. And so often, it's such a trick because we think we want it a certain way and we pressure and pressure and mention it and mention it. And, mm, mm, mm. and finally, when they do it, we think, are you sure you want to do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Is this really your decision or are you just doing it because I've been doing it because now I feel guilty because I've been nagging you for so long? You see what I mean? We don't really, we want them to lead and we want them really to say, would you just, you know, cool your jets and let me figure this out or something kind like that, but just give me a chance. We don't want to be tormenting our husbands that way. So often that's what happens when you push, 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 and they finally say, okay, okay, we'll do that. Then it's that backpedal. Oh, but honey, you know, are you sure? <laughs> you know, how frustrating for a husband. He's been listening, finding signs, okay, and now she's going the other direction. So don't be harping. Don't be undisciplined. Think about, is this wise to bring this up again? Should, you know, of course you want to give your husband your input. Ask for his... Um, his input and so forth, but you don't want to just be ungoverned in terms of how much you get on him. Okay, wise woman. Some very good things here. In uh, 3.7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. A wise woman is not wise in her own eyes. She fears the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where we start. If you want to be a wise woman, fear the Lord. Um, and I think this is a good thing to remember when you are fearful about something else. 
You're being tempted to be fearful or worrisome about something. You think, you know, I'm supposed to be fearing the Lord. I want to be a wise woman. Lord, help me be a wise woman, not a fearful woman, but a woman who fears you, not these other things. And the rest of that verse says, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Okay, Fearing the Lord and departing from evil is actually makes us healthy. And if we would spend maybe more time pursuing godly wisdom than some of these little health kicks that we can all be, you know, let off on, if we'd spend more time on fearing the Lord and gaining wisdom that way, it says we'll be, it'll be health to our flesh. Now, this is not one of these name it and claim it kind of things. But at the same time, it's, it's healthy to be a God-fearing woman. It, is, it prospers our souls. And it says we're healthy people. We're stronger when we're not fearful. You know how fearful can eat us away. Fearfulness can eat us from the inside and make us sick. So, don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, be humble. Be humble. Be teachable. Um, he who heeds the word wisely, this is uh, 1620. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he or she. Again, heeding the word wisely, okay, fearing the Lord, heeding his word, really taking it to heart, taking it very seriously, and trusting in the Lord, it just brings happiness. It's a blessing. It makes our homes pleasant places because you're happy in the Lord. You're obeying his word. You're trusting him. Do you see that? It all comes together. And when you're happy, isn't it what they say? When mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And when mama's happy, it's amazing the impact it has on all the little people. And remember, it's not about, it's not about us and my needs and my, what I want. It's about Heeding the word, it's about trusting the Lord, fearing him, and so forth. Keeping our perspective. Again, it's so easy to get derailed thinking about me. So, this sort of a woman is cheerful, says happy, uh, attentive, and obedient. Quick to obey. We want our children to be quick to obey. We, all, we had this little saying at our house, delayed obedience is disobedience. Same with us. Okay, you can't enforce things with your children you're not doing. Are you obeying quickly? When you realize you've sinned or you're in, you've got a bad attitude or whatever, are you quick to obey? Jessica, you really can bring him out. He won't bother us. Okay, all right. Well, you can hand him off if you want. Um, the wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases learning. They'll delete that. <laughs> they can do that. Uh, 1621, the wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Okay, this is really good. Um, sweetness of the lips increases learning. If you're wise in heart, and prudence here, the wise in heart will be called prudent. It's like common sense with faith. Okay, prudent. Common sense with faith. It's not just old common sense, Benjamin Franklin, you know, uh, Pull yourself up with your own good effort. It's with faith. And a God-fearing woman, uh, here, the prudent woman, it says increases learning. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. It's like people listen to you when you have a sweet mouth. Your kids will pay more attention than if you're 
hollering at them or scolding them and so forth. Understanding, this is 1622, understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. And in 10.8, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. The thing I love about this one, the wise in heart will receive commands. How receptive are you? How teachable are you? How correctable are you? If your husband is trying to teach you something, how quick are you to receive it? Are you approachable if he wants to correct you? Or is it just he knows, well, if I bring this up, it's going to be a big hoedown. So I don't know if I want to. It's not worth it. So a wise woman is approachable, teachable. And when you see somebody coming, maybe it's not your husband, maybe it's someone else, that brings something to you, that you just are teachable. You'll listen. Well, thank you. Um, people have brought all kinds of correction to my husband over the years. And he... <laughs> why do you laugh at that comment? <laughs> and he has always received it so sweetly. And... It's, it's been such a great example to me because I can remember when we were first married and he was a student at getting his master's in philosophy. Some Christians came to us and told him he was in sin for studying philosophy, that that was, you know, not a, a Christian thing to do. And he, I remember he just said, well, thank you. You know, I'll pray about it and thanks for coming by. And, you know... <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say, but I'm learning to be better by watching his example. He'll just say, well, thank you, I'll, you know. He, he may not always say he'll pray about it, it was something outlandish, you know, and he may say you're wrong. I mean, it's not like you can't, but he listens, he listens. And, but especially if it's your husband bringing it to you and not just someone who's being critical or whatever, your husband's bringing it, that you'd be receptive. And even if your kids bring you something, you don't want to say, look, I'm the mom around here. It's like, no, receive it. Be approachable. The wise in heart receive commands. Be the kind of woman who is approachable, that your husband can uh, talk to you. Your children can ask you anything. Don't ever tell them they're not allowed to ask that. You know, always answer. Always listen to them. Uh, receive it. Mommy, are you grumpy? <laughs> it's like, honey, I think I am. <laughs> You're right. Uh, please forgive me. You know, receive it. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restra restrains his lips is wise. Um, that we think about what we're saying. And here I think mothers tend to shoot off the commands too quickly. Uh, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. My kids sometimes will say, Mom, just give me one thing. I mean, you give me like five and I can't remember. You're like, okay, I want you to da 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 say, okay, you're right. Let's just give you one. And when you're done, come back. I'll give you the next one. <laughs> but I always just had this running list. And so just don't load them up too much. And just idle conversation, too. It's true. It, when there's just a lot of idle talk, it leads to sin. But a wise woman has a high view of discipline and discernment and thinking before she speaks and not just shooting off with stuff. Um, you know, showers. Have you ever go to a shower and you have a great time and you talk way too much and on the way home you think, I probably shouldn't have said that. 
and you get home, you have to call somebody, say, you know, I shouldn't have said that about such and such or whatever it was. You know, you want to have a high value for discipline for yourself. So you do call and put things right and say, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Someone asked me to keep a confidence and I didn't or that was just probably something I didn't need to say or, you know, whatever. Not being hyper about it. But when you know that was not good, that you're quick to fix it. But you restrain your lips beforehand. You could pray ahead of time. I've prayed many times, Lord, set a watch at the door of my lips. That's also Proverbs. Uh, like, would you just set a guard there? <laughs> Don't let anything come out that is not good or helpful or whatever. And I should pray that a lot more than I do. But when I do, God is faithful. And it also makes me think more about it. Okay, I'm going into this situation. Help me to guard my mouth. The mother's words are nourishing. And, of course, a wife's words should be nourishing. It should be really a blessing to your husband, a sweetness to it. Uh, Proverbs 10, 20 and 21, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Again, that your mouth, your words are feeding your kids. They're nourishing. Again, it's building up. It's not tearing down. Your husband is edified by it. And I know, he comes home and you just want to unload the whole truck and give him the blow-by-blow blow of the whole day. And I understand that. <laughs> That's just the way we are. But we need to think about this should be for his sake, not just for my sake, because I need to unload the truck. But to sort of sort through it and think, does he need the whole dump truck, you know, right when he walks in and <laughs> bury him under it? But to just sort of be selective. Yeah, and to make sure the things, not that you shouldn't share stuff with your husband, but you just time it and give him space and uh, don't dump it all on at once. Sometimes men are chattier than their wives. Not so often, but occasionally. But still, that you want your lips to be feeding, nourishing. Uh, same chapter 10, verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Okay, all these positive images. So the tongue isn't always evil and wicked and bad and destructive. It can be. But it can also be this life-giving, uh, refreshing source of nourishment. And that's what we want our children to receive from us. Just sweet words. Instruction. Um, fun conversation that builds up and, and pleases and delights and so forth. It isn't just... And also with your husband, asking questions. Um, finding things out. Not asking questions that can be answered with one word. <laughs> or they will be. So ask questions that require more than one word answers. But to be thinking that way, particularly with your children, that your words are nourishing. And, um, you know, you feed your children around the table or you're breastfeeding your babies or whatever, and you're nourishing them. You want your words to be doing the same thing. Like, oh, when mom talks, it's just... Not this. It's a, it's a blessing. Okay, a few other things. The effects of this. Okay, the effects of being wise women of living with a contented obedience. Obedience to God and real obedience to your husband. Like, honey, you really would like me to do that? Okay, cheerfully doing what he asks. The effects of this 
are um, far-reaching. First of all, it blesses you. It always does. Obedience always blesses you first. Isn't it true? When you do something that you know pleases God and you, and you know is right, blesses you. To be a crown, isn't that a blessing to you to be a crown too? Yeah, it's not just your husband, but to you. And you know you're building a house, that's a blessing. And you know you are finding good that other things, as Proverbs have said, you're happy, healthy, strong, a source of strength to others. All of that is a blessing to you. Again, Proverbs 31, 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She's blessed. To have strength and honor is your clothing, and you're rejoicing in the time to come. That's a blessed woman right there. So obedience, contentment, and obedience bless you first. Then, of course, there are many benefits to your husband. Living with a woman like that, it's just a, it's bliss. <laughs> it's bliss. It's wonderful. Proverbs 31, 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And the verse right before, verse 11, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. This is, I believe, you know, when men are living with contented, happy, obedient women, and they're respected, I just think it's, it has a transforming effect on them. They just rise up. You know, they just stand full height. They... Um, they're receiving blessing all the time from their wives. Now, of course, this makes for a much better father and mother when there's this sort of understanding of your roles. Remember, you're a wife first and next a mother. And, you know, once you're a mother, you're always a mother. And same with, you know, once you're married, you're a wife. And these duties are ongoing. And you'll have times, of course, you slip up, but you just get up and you get back on. You just... You don't wallow in the mistakes of the past or feel like, I can't, you know, I messed up so badly that this can't be fixed. No. Oh, no. And I think um, many times I sought my children's forgiveness and my husband's forgiveness over the years. We've been married 30 years. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad he hasn't kept track <laughs> or that God hasn't kept track or my children. I mean, I still am seeking my kids' forgiveness if I mess up or, you know, of course, it's just the way it is. So... We want to be a blessing to our whole family that way, bringing them good, not evil, all their days. But this kind of a man, I'm just saying, is someone who is uh, going to be respected in the community if he's respected like that in the home. It just spreads out. Of course it's a blessing to your children, and you know this firsthand because you've either had a positive example or a negative in your own family, or a little of both, or you've seen it somewhere. And you know the security either that you wish you had or that you did have, you know, if your parents were applying this. It's, it's something, it is a treasure for children to grow up in a home where mom respects dad and dad loves mom. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to check out the full series, The Pleasant Home. Listen today on the Canon app.